Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Back to Basics. I'm your host, Leticia Latino, and I have a special guest today, like all my guests. They're so special. Sharon Seibert is a CEO of Core Coaching and Consulting, a consummated author with books like Prospering, Six Steps to Great Wealth, and Six Steps to Leading Your Life and Work from the Inside Out. She's also passionate about giving back, and as such, she's very active in the nonprofit world. Hello, hello, Sharon, and welcome to Back to Basics. Thank you so much for inviting me and hello to everybody who's listening. Well, I'm very excited. And I always say, you know, if I read everything that's on my guest's bio, I would do the first seven minutes of every <laughs> of every interview because <laughs> you have such rich experience. But, uh, you know, I say let's better discover this. And, and I love when I have, um, you know, coaches and, and just people that push others that whose mission is really help the others untap their true potential, because I know inherently there has been a, a huge journey on your own to get there. And I hope I'm I'm not uh, misspeaking, but I feel that's the case. So let's let's go back to the basics, your early, early years. And what did you dream, dream about being and what made you tick when you were a young girl? Ah, so I grew up in a, uh, I was born here in Boston, which is where I live now, only a few miles from where I was born. And uh, my mother's side of the family being Irish, and as we were just talking a little bit earlier, we're both EU citizens uh, mm -hmm. for the return for our particular countries, me, Ireland, and you, Italy. But my, my growing up years was in Iowa, in the middle of the country. And that afforded me, as a young girl, a lot of freedom. I, I, I had, we had horses. We were in a farming community. So I, I grew up on horseback. And, um, and I, uh, that gave me such freedom. And apparently for women, the ability to be mobile is what gives rise to dreams and thinking about the future and everything in a, in a less you know, oppressed kind of way. So that's, I attribute a great deal of my liberation of self and others mm -hmm. <laughs> in those days in the field while the horse was grazing or we were and as children, we also um, were very active players. We would play cowboys and Indians, but literally on horseback. I mean, literally, you can't necessarily tell now because I'm so white, almost translucent. But when I go out in the sun, I get really dark and mm -hmm. I always had to play the Indian. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we would leap from horseback to horseback and, and, you know, pretend to kill each other and, and capture each other and, uh, uh, it's it's amazing my bones are still connected. It well, really <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Of all the childhoods that have been described in this show, I have to say, <laughs> I say if I could have that one, that experience, uh, it's uh, it's amazing. Just as, as you say, that playing that game and being actually on the horseback, yeah, right. amazing, amazing. <laughs> and so, did you at that point dream like had a 
any sort of vision of what you wanted your life to be or what you wanted to get involved? And I ask this question because, and I've said this in other episodes, it's because I'm a fierce advocate that we, whatever we chose as a younger version of ourselves, we are allowed, we're entitled to change our path and our trajectory. And I think so, so many people feel stuck in whatever it is that they chose to do. Mm-hmm. That I, I always like to identify others where maybe, you know, you we thought we were going one way. And then even earlier, later in life, we say, you know what, that I feel that I want to change what I'm doing. Right. Well, a couple things about that. I was really born a musician. I, as I, I, from the age of two on, I, uh, my, my parents described that I crawled over to my sister Irene's crib. And then I hoisted my, my little pudgy self up and saying in my little infant voice, you know, good night, Irene, good night, good night, Irene, which my parents and, and mm-hmm. um, would always sing to her. So as I tell people, it's not Mozart, but it ain't bad. So <laughs> I have a musical gift and I pursued that musical gift for many time, for many, many years. I still have my, I can see it in the background, my grand piano in my living room. But what I've turned to later in life was writing. Now, I think the thing from, from that I remember from childhood when you asked that question was that I was once in church as a young, just a, you know, really, really young teenager or preteen. And I remember asking that I be an instrument of God's will, mm. whatever oh, wow. that was. And it was, and it was like one of those moments. It was like, oh, you know, I could, uh-huh. I could something happened like okay um and uh and i think that what i have tried to do in my work helping people through uh you know whether they're executives or whether they're youth in the urban center or whomever you know teams of people that i think is really the deep motivator how can i make this easier for you Hmm. is i think what what you know what i came to Although I didn't have any specificity about what that could look like, because there's so many ways to serve in the world. But I do believe that I've always tried to pick up on the clues, little breadcrumbs that have been left for me. So um, so try to follow along that way. Mm, I love that. I really love and I appreciate that because I do know that, you know, while some people are not that spiritual, there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people that are, you know, and I, I don't know if it was in another, I say that, you know, sometimes we we closet our spirituality or our religion or our sin, because sometimes we're afraid to say that things like, well, you know, I just asked God this. And then what validated in your life, it's really, you know, that in, in such a mysterious way. So that cosmic, you know, intuition, cosmic will, I appreciated that yeah, you mentioned because I myself a little bit like that, you know, where you 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 ask, you don't know what's going to come. You maybe mm. it doesn't come the way you think it's going to come. For <laughs> sure, it doesn't come the way. <laughs> yes, it's come back. and and the the work that I do, the 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 whole superpower balance leadership or the whole balancing act, is an unashamedly spiritually based program. Now, you don't have to be spiritual to take advantage of it. But but what we say is, you know, you can be a really hard nosed, uh, you know, atheist, and that and that's okay. In a way, in a way, that's your spiritual definition. So mm-hmm. it's it's different from mine, but it's different from other people. But but you and with many of the hard nosed atheists I've worked with, many, um, they have a code of principles and ethics and morals that that are attuned to this life and how they want to live it. And I'm going, that's fabulous. 
I'm, mm-hmm. I can really live with that. That's their definition. Mm. So with that, that is, is that beautiful? And then from there, we just, we just roll out the rest of the plan. Yeah, I love it. I love it because it's so, you know, in a way, it's almost like back to basics. That's how this podcast ah. came. It's like when you go <laughs> back to basics of who you are, what's your, your, your compass, your, who, who yes. is really the true essence of your being? Totally. You nail the words, the, your essence, the, the true nature of who you are, the why, what is your purpose? That is your core. And, and when I work with people uh, or any of these programs, it's simply we are, we stand with you and you get to discover and sort of blossom your own core. You get to define what that is. You came into this world with gifts and mm-hmm. my role is to stand with you while you figure that out and then we make it happen. I love that. And so let's put track because I do want to get more into the particular program and what you do with people. And but you know you obviously you you share with us you you had this gift of music. So you pursued a music, you know, probably career. I know you were also the CEO in the health industry. So yes. obviously that that was a, a path that it wasn't that straight. So maybe if you can share with us and, and as a coach yourself, there were probably, I don't know if I call it red flags, but like maybe, you know, a moment in your life where you say something's got to change or I'm doing this and oh. I want something else. Because I think that's what helps people will say, when do I know? How do I know that maybe I'm not doing what I'm I'm meant to do because we can do many things and we can spend our whole life doing a job and that's fine. And sometimes I feel that's what a lot of people choose to do. But then there's people that say, no, but I wasn't born to do this. I know that. And so a little bit about that personal journey. Excellent. Well, my, one of my heroes is Studs Terkel. He wrote a book called Working and in it, his conclusion was our jobs are too small for us. Most of us have jobs that are too small for us. So I think that desire that you have, that you hear from people, is they're, they're knowing that this is only part of it. You know, we, people have jobs in order to support their families and keep the roof over their head. And God bless them, that's exactly what they need to do. Because their bigger job is taking care of the family and, and making sure that everybody's safe, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so many ways that people can, can do work in the world. And it's not just job jobs that define the work we do in our world by a long shot. There's the volunteer work, there's, there's the teaching, there's the, you know, all, all that stuff. But there were, uh, there were a number of times when I really received a lightning bolt. Let me tell you, one of the big ones was uh, my brother John died when I was in that family planning center and group health thing when I, when I was doing that work. And that was, that was, you know, that took all of us in my family up short that that we needed to do more, that there was, this was a demarcation point. So that was the lightning bolt moment Mm -hmm. for me. Although I really didn't understand it until years later when I, when I was standing in front of a class of scientists in the Food and Drug Administration, and I was teaching a course, and I heard myself say, I do the work I do because too many people are dying in the workplace. Mm. Just these little day by day, you know, nasty comments and, and, and making people small, all that stuff, you know, and it, it would just rankled me. But my brother John died in the workplace. 
Mm. He was in a workplace accident. And it wasn't until years later that that it, it was sort of the veil lifted for me about why I do this work, why it's so important for me that people do work that that fulfills them because and that they get out of dangerous places because those places will kill them. It'll just make them small. It'll give them cancer. It'll be, you know, or they'll have accidents like my brother did. So to me, it is a passion to get people out of bad places. Mm, wow. Well, while I'm sorry about what happened to your brother, there's always say there's a good comes out of something bad. I'm a firm believer of that. Like in every bad circumstance we face, there's if we pay too attention, there's going to be something good that, that comes out of that. Because now with all your books and with all the work you're doing, I'm sure you've helped hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, create a better life. Yes. Yes. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about what came first, a a first book or your coaching, like how, when the moment you committed and say, I'm going to help people, I'm going to do this because a lot of people say, where do I start? Where do I start with (laughs) kind of making a change into my life? I was trying, I was, I am the kind of writer that is trying, that writes to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the the original book, The Balancing Act, came out of my trying to understand what's the formula that people can use themselves. Self-help, you follow this map yourself and you're going to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. And it took me a lot of walking around the block and everything until it just landed on me <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that, that we use the 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 ancient archetype of the center and the four directions. You talked about a compass earlier. Mm-hmm. We use the compass. So if you look at that, the core, the center, is that that essence you were talking about. Who are you? What are your gifts? What is the, what is the point of it? Why do you do this work, et cetera? And then the compass, you follow the other directions and the compass takes you to a good place. It's just inevitable if you follow those steps in the roadmap. Mm-hmm. And it was the utter simplicity of it that eluded me. <laughs> for the longest time. But when I landed on it, I was going, Eureka, that's it. You know, so all of the books have that really simple formula for that particular topic. If you're looking at supercharging your life, you know, leading your life and work from the inside out, you can use the compass that way for prospering. You can think of what wealth is in all these different ways. Um, we I have a book on stress that you can go to different kinds of stress you have. Anybody can. And with using these things. So on and on, that's the theme and variations to use a musical term of what I do. Well, it's, it's fascinating. Of course, we're going to have that on the show notes, uh, the links to your page. And I know you help businesses, you help individuals. You also created a, a nonprofit. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about that because I think that one of the biggest callings we have as human beings is to serve and to give back. And and for whatever reason, I don't know, like we all know it, but either we don't get to it uh, until something difficult happens. I don't know. It's just something that I think we haven't figured out yet that through mm-hmm. service, we can find joy and happiness in ways that maybe other things cannot give us. Right. So here's another lightning bolt moment for me that you just reminded me of. I had a number of clients over the years who would say to me, and these were like executives in career transition, who would say to me, I wish I'd known this when I was in high school. And I was going, 
oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Until one of them came and had her own high school, a charter school, and said, I want you to come and talk to the kids. And I'm going, oh, okay, whatever. Because I really thought these concepts would only work for adults. And I was so incredibly wrong. I could not have been more wrong. I'll tell you how wrong I was. So I go to her school and, and you know, you know, <laughs> here I am in the middle of urban Boston. <laughs> and the kids are looking at me, I'm looking at them, and I start talking about this stuff, and they're going, ooh, 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 and they love it. And I just felt like the waters parting. Yeah, you know, I just felt like, oh my God. On the way home, I mean, on the way to work from on the subway after I'd been at the school, I heard a voice say, This is the work you were born to do. Mm, and it was another one of those lightning moments. This is you, you're born to do this work. So the the giving youth the definition, a new definition of themselves, this holistic definition of themselves. They are a soul, a mind, a will, emotions, body, and they are set in the context of the in the environment in which they live. And when they understand that, they can be bigger. They're they're not defined by their color, by their gender, by their you know uh, what country they came from. They're not defined by any of those things. They have this other definition of who they are now and who they can become. And for me to have the youth take that and run away with it, I was, as we Irish say, gobsmacked. Mm. I could not believe it. And then other people took it down to elementary level, to Montessori level. Mm. This is stuff I could not have done myself. So for me, it was like, wow. For for children to have this holistic definition of themselves, can you imagine? Very powerful, very powerful because... The, the other thing I'm curious about, uh, it's obviously you work with leaders and, you know, top executives and, you know, I'm in telecom, I'm a CEO. So I, sometimes in my own industry, I go and, and you know, I see how the drive, you know, to just go, go, go. And it's very profit focused. I'm more of a profit than purpose, finding balance. <laughs> That's a good uh, one. You know, I always say I like money, but I like purpose and I cannot have one without the other. Bingo. And, yes. But I do see, you know, when people are focused on one of the two, especially profit, you know, they are very, very successful. But then you get there and what you left behind, it's, you know, a big empty box where you cannot make much with the success. That's my personal feeling of, of my interactions and the many, many interviews I've done. So to have that, right, to push that. But then I think as a parent too, I think if I was only profit-driven, what am I passing on to my kids? Because also with, when you go by leading by example, then a lot of kids, depending what they have at home, uh, how aware the parents are, how, you know, then we it's almost self-fulfilling prophecy of what's coming behind us. Yeah. So that conscious leadership, I'm very big and very passionate about conscious leadership. Uh, and so I'm interested about what you're seeing in the world. It's uh, what kind of leadership are we really heading towards better kind of leadership? Because I hear that there's hope that a lot of the new and upcoming <laughs> leaders are more socially conscious. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is, there are some very positive possible signs out there. So what I work with in leadership is the superpower of balanced leadership, by which I mean, if you use all these six powers that I talk about, then balanced leadership is going to be very, very, very potent. 
you're going to have the resiliency. You're going to operate in a holistic way. You're going to, you're not going to be an emotional midget. You know, you are going to be able to, to engender loyalty with people. So we have a whole toolkit that mm-hmm. we want people to, to have, and that makes them whole, happy leaders with whole and happy people uh, that they're not simply churning up you know, using and throwing away. So, so, you know, what I say is that we really need to get past this era of Genghis Khan command and control leadership. It's just, it has had its day. It brought us, you know, to where we are now, but there have been significant costs. There've been costs to humanity. There've been costs to the environment. There've been costs to world peace. Oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. huge. So we take the best of that the wealth creation part of it, but without having to, without so much sacrifice of so many people and creatures, we don't have to do it that way. That's mm-hmm. my stand. I want this to be the new standard mm-hmm. that we can be very, very successful. And so many times she, I have people come to me who have just gotten recovered from their heart attack or gone through their cancer and they want to be a different kind of a leader and they they have really paid through their illness. And sometimes people come to me and they they have horrible relationships with their kids. We don't want to be around them anymore and that sort of thing. So the, even the cost for the individuals can be massive. But if we step back and we look at the whole society and the world, we see these other huge costs. So I don't want to throw out what was good about old leadership style, but we really need to do it more, better, more tools, more powers at people's disposal so they don't have to push themselves and others into this exhausted, burned out state. Mm, I totally agree. That's why I always say I like money, but I like purpose. It, it cannot be <laughs> one without the other, you know, like because then it, it really get, generates conflict, I believe. Right. Like, in the human core. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, as in the, what is the, the old saying, you know, if it, it, if it costs someone his soul, you know, what is it worth? Exactly. Exactly. A lot of that going on and, and a lot of sacrificing of others to Mm -hmm. our own gods of money. We just don't need that. We we can do it differently is the, is my point. If you look at the, the, that was one of the tenets of the book Prospering, which was that there are all different kinds of wealth. We want you to have intellectual wealth. We want you to have motivational wealth. We want you to have emotional health and wealth. We want you to have, you know, money in the bank. You need that. We mm-hmm. want you to have a sense of your soul and what you're doing in the world. So, so and we want you to have connection with the planet we're on. And we want you to have connection with other people. We want you to have the joy of serving. And all of those forms of prospering can leverage the next ones. That's the mm-hmm. other thing that's so cool is that you can turn your, you know, that all the good emotional connections in your network to loyalty to people who introduce you to your next job. Mm-hmm. I love you know? that. Definitely. It's, it's one of those books that I definitely will pick up. You have six books you know, that all of them sound very interesting. But I do think, you know, when the law, the the book, The Laws of Attraction became famous, I think that it resonated with a lot of people. But, you know, it's like, okay, you attract what you think. But then I think we are past that step. And what you just described is like really more tangible step by step, because it's like people now have to move from, okay, I know I attract what I think, but then how I can 
as you say, not only you can be successful, you know, in what you do, but you need the money in the bank to pay the bills. And I, and I've heard that over and over with people that want to make a career change and they just stuck in that. Well, I cannot leave my family stranded. I need to put food on the table. But you hear these from people that, you know, like, listen, if you take a year off to try this, you're not going to be stranded on the street, you know. <laughs> so there's something there that needs that extra push, extra, you know, like, yes, you can go and try to be, be become more fulfilled on a different front. Even if you're not making as much money, you can take it, you know, you can take a hit for a year and try to commit to something else. Right, right. While you change course. I thank you so much for, for seeing so clearly that, that this goes way beyond the law of attraction. This is, okay, good. Let's attract things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, yeah. now we have to do it. We have to put these things into action. And, and there's such a, the, the, this archetype of the center in the four directions shows you how to do it. It says this logically goes to the next thing and that logically goes to the next thing. And if you do this, you will get real change. There was a man by the name of Alan Deutschman, who I admire very much, who wrote a book called Change or Die. His mm -hmm. research was that, that even if people are told that if they don't change those eating habits, they're going to have that heart attack and die. And only one in nine people would make a change that went beyond a few weeks. That's wow how hard it is to change. And so the formula that we have is built on that research and we get, you know, uh, what, what he found was that people don't react well to fear. They don't re react well to facts. Look at our political situation mm -hmm. and they don't react well to force. Okay. So that just, that just pisses them off and <laughs> go to their corner and they're going to wait till your back is turned and they're going to do the same thing they did before. Right. So I'm going to go out for that hamburger. My wife's not looking right. Yeah. So, so, but what did work for people was that they needed to reframe the problem they needed to relate differently or relate to different people. So mm -hmm. the alcoholic's not going to go to the bar anymore. They're going to go to their meetings, right? Mm -hmm. And then they need to repeat the behavior. So the steps we have take that research. So he found a 90% success rate wow. on change versus the one in nine. And that's what we use to take stuff like really good ideas, like the law of attraction and other good research and say, okay, now step, 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 and you're in the mm -hmm. next place. Absolutely. I, I think that I admire the work you do because I think that's really how it can become consumed by the masses. I think that really you have to, Thank you, you know, um, inspire concept. Uh, that obviously, you know, has value and worth. It needs to be framed in a way where it can be consumed by everybody. And so I I, I think it's fantastic work. Thank you. You made no. my day. Thank no, you. No, it's like you made my day by being on our podcast. And I know, you know, of course, I will share, you know, you have a very rich webpage, uh, corecoachingconsulting.com, where people can go you know, research, they can buy the books. If there's any anybody that just heard you speak and, and they say, wow, I love Sharon, how can they engage with you? So there's a number of things people can do. They can go into LinkedIn and get on my Calendly if they want to talk something like some, some teacher says, how do we get this stuff into the school? Some person mm -hmm. says, I've been trying to change jobs for 10 years and, and, and you know, can you help me? And we have, we have a whole partnership that can help. And the other thing is that there's a lot, I have so many free resources that I want people to take advantage of. So they can go to 
core-learning-services.org. And we have community events people can attend free. We just welcome you to those because we are trying to, you know, bring this out to everybody, whether or not they can afford our our professional services. They we have these other things. We have a blog with my writings, we have a YouTube channel, you know, they can get into any of those things. So LinkedIn. The books on Amazon.com, the Superpower Balance Leadership, all my books, the core-learning-services.org for oodles and oodles of free things. I love um, it. I love it. I love that the leader, thought leaders like you have put out so much, so many free resources that, you know, it's it's incredible. I'm, I'm a big consumer of all these free, you know, as many podcasts and blogs and things you can listen to. And it's just, we are living in a very rich content rich type yes. yeah that whomever is not benefiting from it it's missing out big time because there's there's a bit for everybody out yes. there and, yeah and, mm-hmm. yeah and we have uh we we try to translate as much as we can of our stuff into spanish oh fantastic portuguese coming after that so we're we're trying to get everything done for more of of the world (laughs) well that sounds exciting because one of my last questions is always you know is there anything that is exciting you in terms of the initiatives that you're working on or things you have going on in your life that we haven't touched upon that you want to share or or that sounds pretty exciting to translate everything on different languages (laughs) (laughs) yeah other people are doing that obviously no we have we our big initiative now is the is is the superpower of balanced leadership for uh, for people to take into leadership training in their organizations. Right. We want to train the next generation of leaders, the emerging leaders, or the people who are very senior leaders who said, you know, I need I need some more stuff here. I need, mm-hmm. you know, I've done, I've done everything. I'd like a new look at this. So we're, you know, we're looking to go into some of the, you know, standard companies. We want to become the new golden standard for leadership training. Well, I love that. Yeah, because what we know is we set communities of leaders together, and I have been stunned by the cohesion and the uh, that these that these people have for each other. They're meeting outside of our meetings. They're flying to be with each other. They're you know they're doing projects together, and we just have set up the conversations about training people in these concepts, and they've taken off with all this stuff. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Well, so inspirational, Sharon. And uh, the only thing I have left to ask is my famous question is, you know, when things are not going the great thing or you need to resource yourself, where does Sharon goes? I'm assuming that maybe the beautiful piano you have behind, but is there anything that was your make you tick go to? Yes, I go out on my porch here in uh, that overlooks the ocean here on the Mm. north shore of Boston. Or I walk on the beach mm. and, uh, you know, get into a sort of a, a, a quiet meditative spot and then just settle into myself and, and wait for direction, information to come or sometimes a nap. <laughs> that's that's always great. It's so funny how I, I, I think that this has uh, somebody else has said this and he says, funny how a nap can make you tick, but it does. I think, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think it's so rare these days that when we do it, we like, feels like, oh my God, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do um, uh, music with the nap. So I combine my sweet spot. So binaural meditation stuff. And then, and then I just totally recalibrate, ready to go. 
absolutely amazing. Well, I'm totally recalibrating by this conversation because this is one of the reasons why I do this podcast. And I really thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to share what, you know, your own journey, your own aha moments, your own lightning bolts, as you have called with others. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure that somebody out there is going to is going to say, oh my God, she's great. And so I thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you. Right back to you for bringing all of this, you know, you are forming community with your podcast, you're forming community with the people who are on your show and with the listeners. So this is, this is the, the future. I think that we are taking command of. This is how we are connecting with the rest of the world. I love it. Mm, well, I love it too. Thank you for being here. And to all of you out there, thank you for tuning in. And until the next episode of Back to Basics. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.